The Maria Stewart songs are believed to demonstrate the end point of Schumann's decline. At the time of their composition, December 1852, Schumann struggled to find a publisher to accept them. Over a century later, influential critic Eric Sams wrote, One of the saddest entries in Schumann's diary records his joy on completing these last five dismal songs. The implication is that Schumann's mental faculties were so diminished by this stage he could no longer tell when he had produced a good song. Schumann was in poor health in early 1852. He was often bedridden with what has been described as a serious nervous disorder and strange afflictions of hearing. By the end of the year he felt sufficiently recovered to return to his conducting duties and to compose the Maria Stewart songs. He celebrated their completion with champagne with his wife Clara to whom the songs are dedicated. The texts for the Maria Stewart songs come from an anthology collated and translated by Gisbert Winker. The poems which were attributed to, but not actually by, Mary herself are far from the lyric verse of Eichendorf, Heine and others that have come to be so closely associated with the Schumann of 1840. We can situate the songs within the context of a widespread, sentimentally driven European fascination with the life and death of Mary Stewart that had been gaining momentum since the mid-18th century. The best-known German contribution to this tradition was Friedrich Schiller's play based on the events of the final days before Mary Stuart's execution, including the fictional meeting between her and Queen Elizabeth. Donizetti's 1835 opera Maria Stuarda adapts a translation of Schiller's play. The elaborate Italian bel canto is a world away from Schumann's songwriting, but they certainly share a commitment to dramatically retelling the story and to really inhabiting the character of the tragic protagonist. Another potential operatic comparison, the one that's very different, is to Schumann's fellow German, Richard Wagner. Schumann was familiar with Wagner's works, and the two men discussed Schumann's own operatic project, Genoveva. To think about approaches to characterisation and storytelling, in composition and in performance, we spoke to Sarah Connolly and Eugene Asti. Sarah Connolly has sung Maria Stuart both in Donizetti's opera and in Schumann's songs. How do you get into the Schumann mindset rather than... Donizetti say or Wagner. I think it's clear in the music. You can tell, can't you, from the from the certainly from the very opening notes in the piano, what mood he's trying to create. It's much starker. It's much starker. It's definitely much more spare stuff. The Schumann, isn't it? Really, you have much yeah. less time to get into the character. They're just such a snapshot yes. in time. Each of those, mm-hmm. there's the whole role of the. I he mean, doesn't the waste any notes. No, it's all. Every single note in that is is to be used with purpose. There's, there's no filler notes, and like often with early Schumann, there's, there's a few, there's a prettifying, there's no prettifying with, with this music. It's completely dramatically truthful. As in many of Schumann's later songs, stylistic change is frequent and marked. The beginning of the first song, in which Mary bids a sentimental farewell to her childhood home of France, could almost come from the Eichendorf Liederkreis of 1840. The performance here is by Juliana Banzer and Graham Johnson for Hyperion. The style of the second and fifth songs is starkly different. They are both prayers, one for the safety of her son and one as she is taken to her death. Both are simply and solemnly harmonised. Christ, 
All three songs, though, are linked by their key, E minor. In fact, this cycle has perhaps the most tightly knit set of key relations of any of Schumann's. The only song to escape is the central one, To Queen Elizabeth, which is in A minor. Here the music is again strikingly different. The driving iambic metre of the text is emphasised by the introduction of a forceful recurring dotted rhythm. The fourth song, Farewell to the World, once again brings textural change, as explained by Richard Wigmore. They take um, Schumann's declamatory and fragmentary tendencies in his late style to their logical conclusion. Um, And it's interesting that um, in some of the late songs, um, he explores angular, tortuous, um, recondite, um, chromatic harmony, and he explores orchestral textures as well. Here, he often pairs the accompaniment down to the absolute minimum. So they're almost minimalist music. The piano just stark, bare chords. Um, And um, this really is music as heightened speech. Again, a long, long way from most of the songs of 1840. Roger Vignoles shared his thoughts about the Maria Stuart songs, beginning with a memorable encounter with the great soprano Elizabeth Schwarzkopf. The thing with the, the Maria Stuart, hundreds of years ago, I played for master classes of Elizabeth Schwarzkopf mm. in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival. And one day after the class, I found myself sharing a taxi with her back to the hotel. And she said, so what are you doing next? And I said, oh, I've got a recital here next week. Um, oh, what are you performing? Are we going to do the Mary Stewart leader? Oh, you don't want to bother with this. They're just for when you're old and have no voice left. That's literally what she said. I've, you know, done my best to pr- prove her wrong ever since. What used to me is the time that is still measured out for me. And I always have the feeling that the staccato chords in the piano part are like the ticking of a clock in the background. It's another song that is full of silence in, in behind the notes. And um, her sense of 
as it were, le- laying down the stress and the the pain and the tragedy of her life and, and letting go. And then suddenly you get the last page, the, the, the prayer, where I sort of imagine she's at the foot of the scaffold. And when she starts, oh God, mein Gebieter, ich hoffe after, she's suddenly terrified. And um, there's, a, there's an obsessive note in the middle of the harmony, almost like a horn playing, um, indicating the sort of tension and the struggle. And it's like she's uh, really trying to get control of herself. Um, to the point where at the end where she says she's finally rediscovered her dignity and it's the woman and the queen and and, um, at the end she is able to go to her death with her head up high as it were and I I find that that one page a musical drama um, that is incredibly poignant and, and effective. And, you know, you could say that's Schumann at the height of his powers. This episode of the Unlocking Late Schumann podcast series was co-written by Frankie Perry and Laura Tunbridge and presented by Laura Tunbridge. We are grateful to Sarah Connolly, Eugene Asti, Richard Wigmore and Roger Vignos for their contribution and to Hyperion for permission to use their recordings.